St. Peter's Episcopal Church in Greenville, South Carolina, recently celebrated its 50th anniversary with the bishop's visitation. Bishop Waldo's sermon that day focused on how we as disciples discern who we are, where we are going, and why. I wanted to share this sermon this week, so I hope you enjoy this episode of Make, Equip, and Send, the stories that shape EDUSC. In 1969, the leadership and people of the Diocese of Upper South Carolina put into action a plan, a plan that had formed probably years earlier to plant the new worshiping community of Christians that would become you, the Episcopal Church of St. Peter here in Greenville. It is wonderful to be with you here to celebrate that founding and all you have achieved in the intervening years. And I notice already some folks who were here at the very beginning, or related to folks who were here at the very beginning, and, uh, and I'm delighted to see. Are, are there any of you who were founding members? I know we have it. Yeah, we got. I, they're the, the Heath sisters. <laughs> this is wonderful. Um, Henry Heath being the first vicar. Um, it is. It is um, amazing for those of you who have been here from the beginning and stayed along, or who've been here from early days and have persevered and built the life of this community over those years. Thank you and bless you for your perseverance and endurance but especially for your faith, your hope, and your love. Your collective vision has made a profound difference in the life of this diocese. St. Peter's plays a leadership role in the overall diocese, and I'm grateful to you for that as well. And if you as a community haven't already collected and listened to stories of St. Peter's beginnings. I hope that is among your 50th, 50th anniversary projects. It's, ne it's uh, never our task to try to live in the past, but it's always important to know our past. Reflecting on where you are today and where God may be calling you to go in the next 50 years, I'm brought to mind of a small piece out of my own ecclesiastical past and an inscription on a tall stone cross that I carry on my heart and mind even today. From 1990 to 1994, I served as rector of the Episcopal Church of St. Mark in LaGrange, Georgia. Between <clears throat> the front entries to both the worship and office spaces of the church and the street stood a 12-foot-tall Celtic cross, which still stands. On the street side are symbols representing each of the 12 apostles. On the building side <clears throat> are symbols of modern life, of technology, transportation, and commerce, signs reminding us of what we're going out into plus three questions. Who are you? 
Where are you going? Why? People leaving that church on any day of the week are thereby given the opportunity to go out into the world in a spirit of purposefulness and constructive self-examination. It was not accidental that these three questions also played a role here in Upper South Carolina as we developed our vision statement to make, equip, and send mature disciples of Jesus Christ. For the daily blessing of aligning our lives with God's loving purposes is at the heart of mature Christian discipleship. These three questions, who are you, where are you going, and why, intersect fruitfully with today's gospel parable and with this moment of looking forward even as you look back at St. Peter's. There are two characters in Jesus's simple parable, a Pharisee and a tax collector. The Pharisee is proud of his own obedience, goodness, and generosity, and he's disdainful of the tax collector, whose livelihood was universally hated for its close monetary association with Rome, and because tax collectors were Jews in collusion with Rome. In other words, they betrayed their own people for personal gain, people thought of them. Now, the Pharisee also has standing and privilege in the community and uses that standing as an opportunity to display his authority and power to judge others. This particular tax collector is, however, apparently ashamed of what he has done and thereby has gained some self-knowledge. He's ashamed of having taken advantage of others, of skimming money even from people who needed that money for basic food and shelter. The tax rates these collectors charged were not always firmly established by a government entity, but varied some among the tax collectors themselves. The word extortion comes to mind. <clears throat> Even so, Jesus admires him for humbly and honestly confessing his sin, for owning the death. and forgiveness of God. If we overlay the questions from that tall Celtic cross in LaGrange, Georgia on this parable, we see a tax collector Pharisee who, content with his own standing and prestige, has probably altogether avoided such questions. 
But this parable doesn't condemn anyone, including the Pharisee. His obedience and generosity are duly noted. It's just that the tax collector is more honest with himself. Instead of judging or blaming others, he's willing to look into himself and recognize that transformation in his relationship in his relationship with himself and with God begins in here. So what does it look like to live in between the Pharisee and the tax collector, as it were? To be disciplined about living obediently before God and to be generous and yet to avoid self-congratulation and to be always self-aware of our need for God's mercy. Most of you know that I have a deep musical background and that the musician's mantra is practice, practice, practice. And when in doubt, practice. Virtually all performing musicians know that not practicing, even for a few days, will require some extra work to get you back to where you were. If a high level of skill and accuracy in musical performance is compared to maturity and faithfulness in Christian discipleship, then a low interest and devotion to practicing, just as a low interest and devotion to practicing music will reduce the quality and beauty of the performance, so will a comparable lack of interest and devotion to gaining the skills and character of Christian discipleship lessen the transformative power and beauty of its witness. It doesn't take much, if any, effort, however, to recognize that we live in an age of deep division. And because our divisions intensified years ago, whatever happens in elections over the coming year, those divisions are likely to continue for years to come. But mature Christians can change that outcome for the better. Let me put that another way. You can change that outcome for the better. The practice of discipleship changes the world. It is, therefore, in that context, and looking forward to the next 50 years of life in this community, that I ask you, who are you? Where are you going? Why? And we look for an answer grounded on the rock. It is Jesus Christ.
I ask you these questions as I rejoice in the multitude of faithful realities that exist throughout this congregation. You are obedient in worship and faith. You are generous in giving and in service. And you have a humility and deep honesty about you. This past July, when I was in Ecuador with several youth and adults from this congregation, we gathered at the end of our time together to give thanks, not only to God, but for each other and in very specific and personal ways. That is to say, we were each invited to go to another member of the team and to express our gratitude for something about that person. It's a deeply moving and humbling exercise. But it also inspired me to make at the end of our gathering a particular comment to the young people, some of whom are gathered here. I made the comment to them all because all of them are close to college age or in college and are entering that time of discernment about what they will do with their life and who they will spend it with. If and when they are in college, the guidance counselors are, are perhaps not so likely to suggest a vocation in the church. I did remind them to listen for God's voice in their vocational discernment, a voice who may be calling them to things quite other than the church. But these, these young adults will make a positive difference in the world no matter what vocation they undertake. I was just so impressed I wanted to get a word in early. It was a holy gathering. As you know, it's no accident that so many St. Peter's youth are both leaders and servants. Laura Lipscomb and Furman's and Marie's leadership, parents and other adults who are devoted in their support and encouragement in the faith, and a community of people to, to committed to loving its young people into wholeness have made this possible. So you carry many gifts with both confidence and humility into this beginning of your next 50 years along the way of love. But keep these questions in your hearts. Who am I? Where am I going? Why? Remembering that Jesus is with you now and to the end of the age in grace, in mercy, and especially in love. Amen.
Son and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain 